0: Hey guys, how's it going? Scotty from com, and I'm back with another episode of the Scots Space Lessons podcast. I'm actually laughing because we're in April right now and it is hailstoning outside. I don't know if you can hear that against the roof of the studio here, but it's absolutely tipping it down with hail and it has been for the last few hours. So uh, so that is the, the back. There's nothing strange going on in the background. Well, unless you call hail hailstones in april almost we're almost in may right anyway back to it um we are joined by none other than ruth goller today guys i've been following ruth for i think probably around 10 years and i originally saw her play here in leeds with the awesome band acoustic lady band lady band acoustic Ladyland. Um, you've got to check out if you haven't already the drummer seth's fantastic as well and uh, and the first time I saw Ruth playing with that band, um, I just, it really, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was just like, whoa, I've got to check out Ruth and, and, and what she's doing and, and more about her because she really made a really huge impression on me at the time. Um, it was just her old attitude and style. She's got, like, her background is in punk, but, and she was, like, influenced by bands like the Dead Kennedys. But now she's really renowned for playing jazz and improvised music. But she still retains that style. She's still got that real punk attitude and style, and plays a Mustang bass with a pick. So you can't really get any better from that. Better than that. Um, but before we get into the interview, guys, I just want to say if you do um want to give a review to this podcast over on iTunes. I will send you all of my base love because that really helps us get the word out about what we're doing here at scottsbaessen dot com and and I really think you know listening to people like Ruth tell us her story and her struggles and and how she got to where you know from where she started from you know and until where she is right now. Like, we can learn so much from that. I've learned so much from just listening to all the guys that we've listened to or interviewed on this podcast and other podcasts I listen to as well. I'm always learning. I'm a forever student, if you want to call me that. And also, I want to mention that we've, if we didn't, I think I might have mentioned it on last week's podcast, but if I didn't, we've also just released um, Cody Wright's full course into the Scots Bass Lessons membership. So if you are a member, go check it out. It's in there. Cody's talking about everything from playing with a pick and hybrid picking and using the blues within your solos and all of that cool stuff. It's a really, really great course. In fact, it's our first artist series course within Scott's Bass Lessons. And obviously there's a, there's a heap to come because we've been recording over in New York early this year and recording a heap of courses out there. So we'll be releasing them. Throughout the year for you guys but the first release as i said is cody writes it's in the course library right now for all academy members to get stuck into and if you're not a member guys just go to scottsbassessons.com and check out the 14 day free trial you can take scottsbassessons.com membership for a full test drive 14 days totally free and for that, you can access Cody's course and all the other 20-odd courses in there. We also do a live seminar every Monday with one of the best bass educators in the world. Guys like Todd Johnson, Danny Mo Morris, Ed Friedland, uh, Damien Erskine. Like, like, yeah, just every, anybody, that, anybody that's great at teaching bass is essentially teaching bass in scottsbassessons.com. So check out that 14-day free trial if you haven't already. Anyway, enough of me rambling on. Let's go over to Nick who's interviewing Ruth Gola and, uh, and I'll see you after this podcast. Take it easy, bye. Okay guys, welcome back
1: to another episode of the SBL podcast here with Ruth Gola. Thank you very much, Ruth, for taking the time out to say hi. Um, hi, it's a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me. Ruth, for if you, anyone who doesn't know, is one of the coolest bass players in London and has been for a while now. And Honestly, Ruth, it's so interesting chatting to you because usually when I go and see a bass player or a band player, you can sort of figure out the influences of that person pretty quickly but whenever I see you play I'm like I've no idea where you're coming from <laughs> so you
2: Playing, yeah
1: because you play a lot of jazz stuff but then you rock and you groove really nice I've seen you play some really cool groove stuff finger style and then I've seen you absolutely play like with a pick like a punk sort of style you cover <laughs> everything and in, in, in the, all kind of different orders and stuff it's just it's just amazing so I just wanted to find out where that all came from, and and what all what came 1st A jazz background, or was it a punk background, or a bit of both, or what what happened?
2: First, punk background, like, like yeah, 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 yeah. I first started playing, like not knowing anything about harmony or how to hold the instrument or nothing completely. I was just I was just really into punk hardcore music and. And that's what I did. Um, so I was sort of listening to what was I listening to? Like the Dead Kennedys, you yeah. know, Bad Brains, that kind of stuff. Or this German band, Einstürzende Neubauten. Do you know okay. these guys? No, they're no, like no. sort of industrial. <laughs> he's a guy. He's like a poet, really. He's amazing, like, lyricist. But they just went into empty factories and just started using all the all the sort of pipes and stuff there and it's mm-hmm. really sort of punk as well you know in an attitude as as much as, as as music um so yeah it's really my, that's the first background I suppose and um I had my own punk band when I was growing up when I was a teenager so I was like proper screaming and <laughs> right. all, the, all that kind of stuff you know but first I was playing guitar just like power chords and things like that, and then I started playing the bass with Dan. We had two basses and a guitar, so I sort of got into you know playing with a pick and getting getting really into into that kind of bass playing. And after that, then when I moved to the UK, I um, I started studying jazz. So afterwards, I discovered all this kind of you know all that kind of well, the harmony and and and, and, and all this kind of stuff, but for me, it's actually really similar because the way I discovered jazz was through listening to John Coltrane mm-hmm. so for me, that is punk, and john Coltrane is <laughs> is the same thing, you know so right. like, oh yeah, that's the same thing, yeah, so it's really yeah,
1: so would you say, would you say it's more about expression and and that kind of thing than technique,
2: yeah, definitely i mean i'm I think I'm. I did sort of work out a lot of technical stuff later on but not at the beginning you know and that only I think only happened because I got I injured my wrists so I sort of had to work on a better technique and find out what wasn't really working there you know for me um, but yeah initially I would just grab the bass and, and, and play you know
1: and a lot of the bands you play in or I've seen you playing, seem to have that kind of similar approach where we're going to turn up and see what happens.
2: Yeah, I, I quite I quite like that. I mean, I'm really into improvised music as well, like free improv music, you know, uh, whatever that means, just sort of getting together with people and playing and just doing a gig with people you've never met before and so, uh, it's it's challenging. I'm always sort of nervous about it because you, especially if you don't know someone, you know, at least if you've spoken to them before or you met them then you have sort of an idea of what might happen but, sometimes it's just completely blank and i really i really like that like that challenge as well you know
1: what can you tell us about some of the bands you work with where that's been the case
2: um well i did a gig at the jazz festival that's the thing that i was just thinking about now when you said that with um literally some people i've never played before and we met like 5 minutes before the gig and
0: and none of them
2: I knew. Like none, none of them. There was a uh, this guitar gu- uh, guitarist Samuel Helquist, I think he was from Norway. He came to visit, so someone had set up this gig to do. And and um, yeah, and we we just played. <laughs> it was quite full on, but you know, sometimes you sort of tend to just kind of give it all. Or I I am at least like that, um, in situations like this, so. It's it's end up being quite full on, but really good fun as well.
1: Can you plan for something like that? What do you mean? In the weeks leading up to the gig, are you thinking? Are you sort of practicing how not to? No,
2: no, no. I don't. I don't. You just try not
1: to think about it at all. Yeah. Literally, just turn up to the gig and start playing.
2: Yeah, and just I think what. Because especially if you if you do stuff like that, sometimes you realise, oh, for me at least, the more sort of polite you are, the worse it can get. Sort of really take, uh, really take and try to take initiative. But also listen, you know, if someone else takes that initiative, you obviously want to compliment. And so it's always a fine balance between um, sort of making very strong decisions. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, also being being open and and making sure everyone's got a say in a way, you know.
1: And do you think yeah. that can be led by instrumentation? I mean, the bass historically has kind of been the support instrument. Mm-hmm. So do you kind of th- is there an etiquette where you kind of think, right? I'm just going to sit here and just hold on this groove for a little while and see what ha- happens elsewhere on stage, or are you quite happy just to go in and make a statement early doors? Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know it's funny. Uh, I always, uh, in situations like this, as a bass player, I think you have more responsibility than ever because if if you play with, like, let's say, a drummer, a guitarist, and a saxophone player or something, you start playing. You suddenly, you stop playing. Most likely, everybody stops, or the tune will finish. Right. So it's it's really like what, whatever you. Well, maybe I'm just very self-aware about this, but it happened to me so many times that. I had to say to people like look, just because I stop it can still, you know, there can be different combinations of that means me I wanna give some space and like there can be something can can happen between two of you guys instead of me always having to play, you know. Because it's this kind of thing, bass is always playing and people get scared if that if that thing gets taken away from them. But actually that's when when the most interesting things happen most of the time. But, yeah, I, sorry, I was wearing off a bit there, but um, definitely making a statement. I, I, I tend to do that quite a lot, even just just to take risks, you know. Like, um, let's say, even if something is going really well, you just want to destroy it. <laughs> 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 not not destroy it, but just see what, what Where is the next level to this? You know, or what can I do to make it just completely different now? (laughs) Things like this. Not always. It depends. It always depends on what state of mind you're in, and you know how you feel on the day, or how many beers you had. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How important
1: would you say the audience can be in a situation like that, where you're really super conscious about everyone else on stage? Do you get the same kind of feedback from the audience at that in that sort of time scale where it can be immediate and they can sort of influence where you're going with things?
2: Yeah, I think they can definitely influence where they're going with things. I mean, I'm pretty.
1: Many people <laughs> Yeah,
2: you, you know what's going on. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, of course. I mean, if the audience is going nuts, you know, it's like. Is so inspiring isn't it in, in any kind of situation you can't really block that out and the opposite as well I mean I think I, t- I generally try to ignore the audience not not mm, I mean obviously I love them to be there and that I love to play for them but I always start I always think if I'm enjoying it then I have to make sure what's happening on stage is the best thing that we can do and then they will enjoy it even more. So, in a way, I play for myself <laughs> first, but knowing that that the effect of that is going to be that everyone's going to have a, a better time, you know.
1: And would you say there's a certain section on stage that you lock in with more, like, obviously, perhaps the drummer or a yeah. or keys player? Or how much sort of time have you put into getting that foundation solid first before you start thinking about what the sax player is doing or what the other lead instruments are doing?
2: I don't know. I mean, in a situation like this, like sort of free improv situation, it really depends. There's no rule to it, but it it, it definitely, you know, it can be a little harmonic thing that I might pick up from someone and I try and develop that or not like it. And then just try and do something completely different because <laughs> I can't imagine it going anywhere. And, right. Or or but yeah, I think definitely drums is. I mean, probably for a lot of bass players, that's the that's the thing, isn't it? I'm, I'm very I very much like a a drummer that um, is decisive and gives gives me something. is mm-hmm. is active rather than reactive in that way, you know. Uh, yeah, so I think drums are listened to a lot. But then you never know who, who comes. Do you think people can,
1: or are, are as creative with time as they are with perhaps choice of notes or dynamics in that kind of situation? I mean, are you able to push and pull the time as much with, uh, while keeping everyone sort of in the loop as to what's going on?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, it's...
1: I mean, when you think of a free jam like that, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, is, is not usually let's change time or something like that. Yeah. That would mm-hmm. be quite an interesting thing to do.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, I mean, I, I, I think, it's, again, it really is the Free music is such, it's, it's such an open thing, yet it's so defined in its own little...
1: yeah. I mean sometimes like you just get genres those private jokes people... between the, the drummer and the bass player that no one else really latches on to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, no definitely. I mean some people, you know, they they don't like to have any kind of groove in free improv. Which right. is like it's almost like a crime to play something that has a pulse, so you get just lots of sounds rather than mm. than any any kind of pulse um, but I don't know. I'm. I, I want to keep open with that, you know. Because I like playing grooves a lot, and I like the more variety there is, the better in a way. Also, if you imagine listen, if you imagine listening to to it, you want to hear different things, you know. I, I tend to, if it's completely free, like t- no time, no harmony, sometimes it can get a little bit much for me. After twenty minutes, I feel like okay, I need a break now, you know. Mm-hmm. But if there's Obviously, if there's grooves and stuff, then then that's a different thing. You, you, there's there's a lot more variety to that, and that, that depends to drummers. You know, some drummers are really comfortable just playing grooves all the time, or not playing grooves at all, even. You know, um, so it's it's kind of not not. It happened to me ages sometimes that I was literally wanting to play a groove, and I was playing something in a pulse, really really strongly. And just, no one would pick it up. <laughs> <It's just like laughs> and it, it, you sort of feel like, it's oh, frustrating, you know, because it'd be, it'd be great if that would happen now. But that, but then again, that's, that's the interesting thing. It's not just you, you know, I want this to happen, but he or she doesn't want that to happen, so it's not happening. <laughs> so you kind of have to have to deal with it in a different way then, you know, and try and, try and do it in a different way. I, that, and I, I enjoy that challenge. Can we touch on a
1: couple of bands that I've I loved seeing you playing? Acoustic Ladyland and Let's Spin is the other one, where mm. it's kind of you definitely have this kind of improv edge to it, but at the same time yeah. you've you've packaged it into a, a kind of a format that people may be more comfortable with in terms of putting it out an album and breaking it up into songs. Yeah. That aren't yeah. 20, Twenty-five half you know thirty minutes long. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Was that a conscious thing, and how did that kind of what was the kind of approach or what were you trying to achieve with those bands
2: um, i mean I think it's uh, i'm not sure if if we were trying to achieve anything at least for my you know for me, for me it's always like i'm I'm just trying to make good music or music I like then what happens afterwards you know if you're lucky <laughs> someone else likes it if not you still like it and it's still good music and nothing nothing changes in that way but but it's I think it's just the sort of backgrounds that we're all into you know like I'm I'm definitely I mean I love playing like rock music and stuff with strict forms as well but I enjoy having to me there has to be a certain kind of freedom in that you know I couldn't I don't think I could go on tour for a year playing the same set exactly as it is every night, I don't think I would enjoy doing that. I wouldn't do that. I don't think there's got to be some some kind of freedom in it. And and we both those bands. That's exactly what happens. Like with Ladyland, we we always try to make every gig as different as possible, you know, and really. Destroy the forms in a way that we had. Of although there's quite there's quite strict tunes, obviously, and yeah. stuff, recognizable stuff. But sometimes we would, someone would just plow in with something completely different, and we'd latch onto that, and then jump onto another tune, and never even play a first bit. Or you know, uh, that that was when that, when that was working, and that was really great. And I think that band really. Um, that was really the strength of it, you know, because yeah. also we we knew each other's playing in you know, a way so well, which on one hand can be difficult because you end up in the same places, you know, sure in comfortable places like this works or so we're gonna do that. So in a way, it's challenging to to completely do something different every night, and I think that you always struggle with that. But that's that's a that's a token, you know, you know, you know the people well. That it, it, that's that's what's gonna happen. But yeah, the aim was definitely to, to break it up as much as possible. And same same with Let's Spin actually. Um so that I think the improv sections are a bit more um written in um in the in specific tunes with Let's Spin um than with Ladyland. I think we just uh, we don't play enough for it yet, at least, you know, for it to be a com- completely set list free gig, which is ideally what well, what would be nice to happen if you could just play any piece of tune at any point and people would just jump onto it or break it off or open it up or, you know, that that's sort of, uh, that's, that I think that's what we're all into and that's what we're aiming for as well to do at one point.
1: The people you play with are obviously very, very important to you and to your sort of development as a base yeah. player. How about people you don't play with? Is there anyone who's, Really influenced you, who you may not have even met, um, that has sort of pushed you on in the same kind of way.
2: Mm. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's there's lots of people. I mean, any any sort of famous musician that I that 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 I aspire, like I don't know, like Bill Frizzell. Or, mm. You know, I love I love his way of playing, and I I can really yeah I'm sure he had a huge influence on 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 the way I listen to music or the way I write or the way i I try to play you know um but yeah lots of lots of musicians like i don't know Wayne shorter or um Hermita Pascual, you know yeah yeah yeah, so all these people I'd love to play with them they. <laughs> <one day. laughs> <laughs>
1: About your sound, then, have you worked? Has that been something you've worked on consciously? Your bass sound, or, or mm-hmm. is it something you don't really think about too much?
2: Um, it's it's, it's been something I haven't thought of uh, at the beginning at all. You know, it's I'm very, I'm a very non-tech bass player. Like I don't like a lot of options. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I, I'm a, as a person as well. I'm like that. Like the more knobs I have on my base, the the worst is, you know, I've got a really simple, simple setup and I know how it works and throughout the years I've I've learned how to be as versatile as possible with, with, with little, you know, I mean, I do have pedals and stuff as well, but again, I'm not someone like that knows that world, you know, really, really well or spends a lot of time on on that. Maybe I, I should... But it, it doesn't come natural to me, you know, to, to be really, really interested in that. Only if I, it it happens sort of the other way round. Like I have a sound in my head or I feel like, oh, I want it to sound like that. And then I go and do research rather than like, oh, this I like this sound of this pedal. You know, I want that. This sort of, it's the other way around. And there's lots of sounds that I have that I haven't even worked out yet how I could possibly do them or... Yeah, but I've got as you know, coming back to to my sound, it's I've got a very simple. Sim, I've got a Mustang, which literally has got tone and volume, and um, just by doing little changes to it, I've 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 gotten the the sound that I'm really happy with at the moment. You know, just putting some thicker strings in it, so I've got quite a heavy, heavy kind of sound for for because it's a short scale bass as well. So yeah, um, I, I have quite a yeah it's quite a, quite a big sound as suppose, for a for a for a little bass like that and then just a nice big orange valve which again it's just got like volume bass mid treble and that's it you know simple and um yeah so it's it's really it's, I think it's developed really slowly throughout playing really my sound without me even maybe noticing too much and Maybe other people commenting and saying, oh, I really like your sound I was, like, Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's...
1: So would you say it's more kind of the bass is the bass and it's what you do with it that's really pushed you on a bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, actually, I, I realised really late how much um, we musicians have... Um, influence on our sound you know like if you give like let's say you give your bass to someone else to play and it just sounds so different doesn't it
1: yeah it just sounds like them doesn't it
2: yeah exactly and it's that that realization came so late to me thinking oh i'm actually doing something that i like <laughs> that makes my sound the way i want it yeah, to be you yeah. know and it's not just the the amp or the the bass you use and things like that so yeah.
1: And how about your, um, your pick playing? Can we talk about yeah. that? Um, obviously, that comes from your punk influences.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. What
1: was the kind of reaction when you started using that in a more jazz setting? Um, and well, did you have to change your approach in, in any way?
2: You, a reaction from well, other people?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot uh, of people kind of say, you know, who was at the it that told me once picks for noses? Uh, oh
2: yeah 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 <laughs> I know that the other is that kind of thing with can
1: so, kind of pigeonhole certain yeah. appropriate techniques
2: yeah uh, you know I've never really paid much attention to things like that so to me it worked and also I because I had this wrist I had a wrist oh, problem yeah. in my right hand mm-hmm. which playing with my fingers for a long time mm-hmm. meant that I would get wrist wrist pain so that also playing with a pick also really helped for that. You know, I can
1: just straighten and, things out.
2: Yeah. And you can, I can, you can play with a pick as well, not in a punk way, you know, right. Like in a, in a sort of jazz guitar-y way. Was sure. it Steve Swallow? Yeah. I mean, exactly. There's so many, so many sounds that you can get by, again, by just having a certain type of technique or, you know, and I really, I, I just really like the sound of it as well. So it's, um, it's um i, I yeah i, I want to develop it as much as possible and I, I teach it to my students as well you know like it's i i think making these kind of limitations in a way it's not really healthy right at all Like you can't, you shouldn't play with a pick you shouldn't play with play with what what's, what makes the best sound you know
1: <laughs> absolutely mm mm-hmm. So you're teaching a lot as well at the moment, is that right?
2: Not a lot, um, but I teach sort of one day a week, yeah. Right.
1: Okay. But what, yeah. What kind of things do you teach, or do you find yourself addressing with students? Um, sort of common problems.
2: Yeah, I teach a lot of harmony. Right. With them, yeah, because they're often their technique is really well developed, so you know they they can play like really well. Oh, there's little things that I would point out about posture, or you know. Things like that, um, but it's mainly <laughs> literally just like made to try it, you know. Like, but where's he made to try it from here, from there, two octaves, that kind of stuff. And right. I teach a lot of jazz harmony with them because I feel like mainly that's where people haven't really gone into it very deeply. And and I think it's really whatever kind of music you play, whether you're into jazz or not, it doesn't matter. You, I think, you should have very very good Harmony knowledge, and for me, learning about jazz harmony was the way into that world. You know, uh, so I'm sure it is. You, you can learn it other ways, doing like classical music and stuff. Just, it's not only jazz harmony, but but I, I I know about that, so that that's what I teach to them mainly. Although they're on like a rock course or something, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they they still got to know about that. So
1: my last thing I want to touch on it is um, you being in London what mm-hmm. drew you to London and how important has, has the music scene in the city been to you
2: well it's been massively important to me although it was kind of a coincidence that I ended up here because I was literally after school you know I, I went to school at home in Italy and when I was at like 19 I was like I want to study bass guitar <laughs> so I knew, I, I knew someone that Went to a music school in London. It was like a friend of a friend, or so it was complete coincidence. So it could have been, you know, I couldn't have end, ended up anywhere really. Right. But they just gave me the name, and I just called them, and I just came for an audition, and they took me, and uh, that that was kind of it. And did like this one year introduction course, you know, and then uh, and then I went on to study jazz after that. But yeah, I mean, London as a city. I'm really, obviously, I haven't got the experience in any other city, so I don't know the comparison to that, but um, just the the people I've met here, it's just just been incredible for me, you know, so many musicians that I would have never dreamed of playing with or, you know, that um, have just given me so much musically and, and friendship, Ways as well so it's, it's it's been it's a very exciting city musically to me a very open mindset and musicians work really hard as well you know everyone's is is it's, it's really thinking forward all the time and thinking about new new stuff you know new music and i, I really like that it's very exciting that to me there seems to
1: be a really nice kind of group or collective of musicians that everybody knows each other and they seem to be popping up in you've you've seen them from time to time in places you wouldn't even expect them to Yeah, yeah. how does that work? I mean do you get to a level where you just get called for things based on projects you've done in the past I mean do you ever still have to audition for things?
2: Yeah sometimes, Um, I don't like doing it, (laughs) not partly just because I don't know it's Maybe it's laziness, but um yeah, often, you know I mean especially in the music that I do, like more of like jazz or, you know uh, stuff is it's it's kind of just word of mouth and someone would just say like, Oh, that that person, you know, would be great, give that person a call so it's it's kinda of more like more like that than than auditioning, you know, for like than auditioning for like big rock bands or something like that
1: so yeah what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of making the move down to London or to any big city um, and and trying to create a kind of a name for themselves
2: yeah difficult Um, I mean for me really um, studying you know going to university was a was a a really really big help because I I came here and I didn't know anyone and didn't know anything about music or, you know, I just wanted to play the bass (laughs) but after that there was no plans whatsoever so um, just going to university and meeting lots of people and being, I think I was quite proactive as well at that time, you know, I would jam a lot with people at university and just listen to a lot of music and go and check out music, go and check out lots of gigs, you know and just just doing lots of stuff, because it, it can be a really hard uh, place to be, especially now, I think, if I if I was to study now, I don't think I'd be able to, you know, just right. part of the tuition fees and all, all of that. I sure, think it's, yeah. it's it's very, very different to what it was when, when I was studying. Um, so I, I really feel for, for people that want to do the same thing um, at the moment. But, yeah, I just think going out there, meeting people, jamming, and... Doing lots of gigs, lots of good gigs, lots of shit gigs. <laughs> doing all the gigs you can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just checking out bands I think. Sure. Ruth, mm-hmm.
1: Where can we see you next? What's you, what have you got coming up?
2: Um Um What am I doing? Um well, we're playing with Mount um, Itself Down at Battersea Arts Centre, right? which I've forgotten the exact date now, but it's very soon. Okay. <laughs> I think it's in May, um, but I need to double check that, yeah. And uh, I also have a, a dual bass gig coming up with Tom Herbert, of which course. I'm yeah. super excited about, yeah um so uh, he's he's gonna play 20 minutes solo i'm gonna play 20 minutes solo and then we're gonna do 20 minutes together and uh yeah tom's you know he's one of those people oh, that amazing yeah i came to see when i was just when i just moved over here and and now we're really good friends and and we do a gig together it's just crazy so yeah it's, that that's what i'm doing
1: <laughs> right that sounds great when is that where is it um
2: it's for it's for an event at City University right. on the, I think it's the 6th of June. Uh, yeah, but double check the date. Double check we'll the
1: dates and we'll put them in the links, yeah, because that will be unmissable. That would be great.
2: Yeah, that, um, I'm really looking forward to that.
1: All right, we Well, thanks for again for um, hooking up. We could. Um, well, thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much. Good to check out that gig with Tom. That's, that sounds really good. Um, yeah. Any more information from Ruth? We'll put up all the information in the links below. Um, what's the website address, Ruth?
2: Um, it's just my name, uh, like ruthgoller. dot com. Nice and easy. Okay, great. Yeah. All
1: right, Ruth. Thanks again. Brilliant.
2: Thanks so much, thanks Nick. We'll see you next Thank time. Thank you.
0: Cheers. Okay, guys, thanks again for listening to that podcast and a huge thanks to Ruth for coming along and hanging out with Nick and letting us, you know, hear more about her story. Now, as always, if you're an Academy member, you can actually watch the video version of that interview if you haven't already, as as you can with all of the... 56 57 58 or however many podcasts we've done you can check out all of the uh, all of the videos for them over at Essence.com. and as well obviously if you haven't grabbed your 14 day free trial to Essence.com, make sure you do that over on the website too we would love you to you know be part of the community over here Um, other than that guys as always i'm going to skip off and get back in the shed but we'll be back we'll be back next week with another killer podcast for you take it easy and as always i'll see you in the shed